This is your host, Sam Jarocki from J-Rock Lawn Care and Gardening. Speaking about all things lawn care, garden related and business wise, whether you do this at home for a bit of fun or if you're trying to break into the business, sit tight and enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to another J-Rock's Green Industry Podcast. Here we are this week on episode 79 called Interview with Michael Lodge, Gardening Services. So today is another interview where we look to explore another person within the industry that hopefully, you know, we everyone can take something from. And that is the absolute beauty about these podcasts, that if you're new, if you've been in for a long time, whatever it may be, you can hopefully take away some form of information from this podcast that will help you. So Michael, how are you doing? Thank you very much for joining us today. Hello, Sam. It's nice to be on and uh, speaking to you. It's uh, been a long time listening to you and uh, it's nice to be talking to you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you said earlier on, since episode three, has it been that you've been with us? Yes. uh, Yeah, right from the very start. I did a bit of uh, listening back when I was on the way back from my holiday camping down south. So I uh, (laughs) put it on. I I got the kids. They were all nodding off. and I said, I'm going to pop this podcast on. And uh, I was sitting there nodding my head and I thought that was it. I'll... uh, pop this on the, the, the reminder and uh, give you a listen. And it's been an enjoyable journey so far. Oh, awesome. Thank you very much. I think it's uh, it's always nice to have some good feedback. That's that's the main thing. And, you know, I, I hop on about it on so many podcasts that the best thing people can do is either leave feedback or just even message me and just let me know what people like and not. So you being able to say that, I do really appreciate it massively. The first thing I want to sort of talk about to get us into the podcast here is if you can just explain to the listeners about your company, about your the garden services that you provide, and just a bit about yourself. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, as you said, Michael Large Gardening Services. Um, I'm, I've only been going, I think I spoke about earlier, was uh, three years tomorrow uh, is my anniversary of getting going. It's evolved and adapted a quite a bit since since the first start um i started probably like a lot of people that start out on their own i'll, I'll do any, everything and anything to get going so i did a landscaping and gardening and lawn care through my experience of being on a golf course from my, from being young um but now i'm slowly adapting it to what i want to do which is garden maintenance as such um I don't do landscape unless my friends want a little bit done because though I've done a bit of it in the time, I'm, I know how tough it can be and you need a bit of a team to do that. And I'm currently only a solo operator, so I don't really want to go into that one um, at all, really, if I can get away with it. But I will dip into it in winter time if, if I need to. So realistically, I do general maintenance in any garden and lawn care. So hedges you know, uh, plants, lawns, that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the um, limits to what I want to do now because I'm so busy with doing that. I don't think I need to expand yeah. currently yeah. at this moment into anything else. Well, I think that's, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? You know, one thing I do love about this industry and, you know, the whole gardening world is that you there's so many things you can do and offer at the same time that at the same time you can you can niche right down and you've got a lot to pick from if you do want to go down one niche. And you see many people, you know, come through either working on golf courses or they have 
just being general garden maintenance or the the pressure washing or the hard landscaping. Like there's so many branch outs that you can put under the one company, and it just seems that you know the options are there to be able to go forward and increase the teams or stay as you are and stay solo. It really it shows, I think, that it's down to the individual person. I mean, it, it definitely is. Um, like I say, you can, you can do tree surgery, um, any of the patios. And like you say, I do do uh, the odd cleaning of a patio for a customer if they want to. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's really, like you say, a niche and going down. I, I'm lucky enough that I had a bit of a, a good reputation anyway before I started and, and had that customer base that allowed me to do it. But now, obviously, when you start getting your name out, like you do after a couple of years, once you get through that rough patch of the first couple of seasons, uh, your diary soon soon fills up pretty sharpish and uh, you don't want to be promising people that you're going to be in a certain place at a certain time and letting them down because that is probably one of the biggest bugbearers for a, a customer to have. The amount of times yeah. I've had gardeners them say, oh, well, my last gardener said he'd be here and he never turned up or he did do that. But we've all got to... You know, we've all got to have a bit of leeway on timing because of traffic and everything else. You, you, I kind of give them an afternoon slot or a morning slot, but if you, you soon your name in a small area like the area I cover, if you don't turn up or you're late all the time and you you, you, you work substandard, you, you get a, the word gets around and it's not good for your your brand really. No, you're completely right there, but. Being able to be that reliable person is, you know, there's so many benefits that come with that. You know, I think I used to say it in a lot in the early episodes that, you know, professionality is is one of the best things that you can kind of carry into any sort of solo-owned company because when you're backing yourself, there's no one else to blame. There's no other direction for it to go. It is literally on you. I mean, there's, it's a long story short here, but I just recently put a client's, visit price up by 25%. It went from £60 to £75 for a grass cup. And it was only purely because of... She used to talk quite a bit. So so what I originally quote, quoted for wasn't including the one hour we used to spend talking, you know, that I used to struggle to get away from. Yeah. So, so anyway, with this, it went back and forward. It's a, it's a daughter that deals with the correspondence and, and that sort of thing and the money. And I says to her about that, that that's the reason why I was up on it. And she says, well, my mother was quite shocked by the price. Uh, but she says, because you're the most reliable person she's had, she's happy to go forward with it. Now, since then, I've I've just got to disclaim that I have got back to her and I've explained in the nicest way physically possible the reason why it went up, what was a very awkward conversation that I only had today. And hopefully they'll take something positive away from that and maybe we can get the price back down. But it was a very awkward chat, but that full story is maybe for another time. But yeah, that reliability factor, even though a price went up by 25%, what is a a pretty large increase when a customer's already paying a certain price, it covered it because you are that reliable. You know that they know that you're not messing them around or that, oh, well, you missed some visits anywhere. So I think by being reliable and professional about anything you do can only back the business. I think you're correct there. There's, there's, that's 100%. And that's really what I sort of put down as my number one aim as through working for myself. I've got a, a customer that I had um, in a local village and it was about about 45 minutes drive, an hour, 
hour drive with a bit of traffic. And I, I sort of, she only got me in because her husband was uh, in hospital intensive care. It wasn't looking great. Um, and I sort of went over, did a couple of cuts for her. And after a short, very short period, I realised that I was not making any money out of this job. And mm-hmm. I felt really bad for her. So I, I kind of had to have a chat with her, even though she was in that condition of, of maybe losing her husband, that... I would have to change the, the the pricing due to the fact that it's taken me two hours to get to the job. Yeah. So I, I kind of had to say to her, so I was doing hourly rate at the time. Um, I kind of said, you know, you could, this was the price. It, it almost doubled because yeah. I said, look, the job's in between the one hour and two hour slot. So you have to pay for the, the two hours, but I'm, I'm going to have to put up to the, you know, plus the hours driving, the two hours driving. So it, it sort of doubled in price. And I said, I, did, I was quite honest with that. And I was respectful to her. I said, you could possibly find someone who services this area because it was it was out of my um, local area with search, which I cover. Yeah. And she uh, she just said, I've had, we've had two or three gardeners before that come and cut the logs. So she had a, an old man that came and did the weeds and everything, but they just don't turn up. You, yeah, been turned up on time. You've when you said you were going to be, you do a really good job. Um, I'm happy to carry on. That carried that then carried on for two years. Um, and I, it, it was one of my favourite customers. Uh, yeah. But the the husband who I think he I don't know if he had his last rights. He was he was that close. He made a recovery. Um, so obviously when he was recovering, I carried on and I was quite open with him and said, look, you know. You could find someone, but they said, well, we've had you for a year and a half. You've done everything we want to do. We're happy to keep you on for a little bit. But obviously now I'm root densifying my route, and we had a conversation. He's better now to do the lawn. Um, and, and they just literally said, you know, we parted ways really nice. Had a, they give me a nice Christmas bonus. I said, you know, if you need any help in the future going forward, I'm more than happy to come and help you. Uh, so... <laughs> It went from mowing the lawn, so now I've got I'll pop over twice a year to do the hedges, uh, which oh, nice. is quite a substantial hedge. So I will still see them, and uh, yeah, it's the, the hedges is a I've quoted them to make it worth my while, and they were happy with that, and I, you know they were very happy with the two times I've done it before. But the uh, the lawn mowing is now I've stopped doing that because obviously he's taking it on because it is a it is a big cost, you know it's not. You know, you could be talking thousands over a year, and and if you speak to people and say, you know, this is a, you know, thousands of pounds to mow a lawn, um, it, a normal person in the street would be like, that's extremely expensive, yeah. and it, unfortunately we have to cover over our overheads and everything else, so we have to cover ourselves, but that's the cost of it. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, I was good to lose them, but on the other hand, I did have one eye on. But losing a couple of customers I'd picked up in that area to root densify in closer villages to and the ones I was wanting to work in. Yeah, I'm gonna say I, I think that just shows that that's a prime example of how things aren't fully black and white. And unless you're able to, you know, flick a switch and be very robotic, you know, and I mean this even in a good way. If you're able to do it and just be business, 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 but don't get me wrong, is it is what's on the front of my mind. You do get them circumstances that them situations that come across where you can't just be full business. There's a bit of to and fro and like feeling for the situation and doing what you can for these people. And I think, you know, people always say the best kind of recommendation 
is word of mouth. You know, someone's actual backing that someone knows is going to be a hell of a hotter lead than if someone sees you in a magazine. So that does carry its weight, but it just, it like I say, it just shows it is not black and white. Every situation can almost be different. Yes, yeah, so that, that's that's the hundred percent. You've, you've there's got to be a human aspect to it, as though we are needed by a lot. Yeah, uh, I do see myself as a luxury job. I know it, a lot of gardeners will say we're a necessity, and in the residential area that I work in, I do feel, especially when there's there's crunches and you know, the pre- what the finances going on that. It is easy. We are usually the first ones to, you know, like probably with window cleaners and that sort of type of uh, regular maintenance that yeah. they could cut costs on. So you've got to have a human aspect to it and, and be realistic going forward in, in the job. I, and I, that's what I, I am. I'm, I'm just, I want to be nice as well as um, make money. I need to, you know, I've got a mortgage for your children and so I can't do it for free. And, and I do sort of price myself into a, a, a half decent wage but I've got to also I couldn't live with myself if if I sort of turn stuff away that sometimes can help people as such I do try my best to sort of do my best for the community if someone needs a bit of help uh, then I'm trying my best to, to be there to do it and yeah it's easy enough just to you know throw figures out oh, this is what this is going to cost this is what this is going to cost but we are in a bit of a financial crisis at the moment in this country, and um, we, you know, we need the work, and we've also got to be fair with it uh, mm. for the customer. And that, like I say, if you, if, how many times do you hear about uh, people saying, "Oh, he's very expensive," oh, I don't know if I'm 100 percent sure. It's it's very expensive, but if you're a nice person and you you're pleasant and you you come and you smile, you say hi, how's your day? Um, it, it makes the customer feel it. Comfort, comfortable with you and uh, I've got several customers that give me keys to side gates and will just be Michael just you know I might not be in the gates open or you've got a key just just go and do the job yeah uh, and they feel comfortable around you and and that's one of my main aims I you know I want to make a successful business but I also want to be able to be known as someone that you know be trusted and and will be fair with everything that, that goes on around the property yeah well I mean the client to uh, service leader relations is a huge part, isn't it? Because like anything, you, you don't want to be surrounded by things and people that you don't like. So if you were very, even if you're fantastic at your job, but you're very rude and just very antisocial to the customer and, you know, rude, just all over rude, there's a good chance that they wouldn't want to keep you as soon as things got tough. Whereas if you've got that, hum, hum, well, human side, I suppose, then the, there's going to be that like that link, that correlation where they think, oh, you know what, but and they'll just feel for you, even if things are getting a bit tough. You may not be the first person to go. How you said, like with the window cleaners, say he's a bit of a, a bit of a sort, and and you're the one that they really like. You know, they're probably going to end up picking with you to stay. You know, and it doesn't sound like much when you sort of building this picture of how to act with the client, but overall, when if you've got thirty. 70 120 clients on your books that adds, that adds up you know it, it that's paying your bills so i think every single customer is just as important as the next to a degree and them relations are super important oh massively massively uh i would say if, if you're 
rude to someone or, you know, you just ignore. I mean, <laughs> probably sounds bad, but the amount of times that you get offered a cup of tea and, and you sort of, I, I even feel bad at doing that. And they, oh, do you want a cup of tea? You're like, I, 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 thank you for the offer. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm on my eighth cup of tea today and I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm really fine. And, and they're, oh, okay, well, just give us a shout if you would like one. And mm. it, even then it's sometimes you go in, oh, I just want to, you know, you want to, I mean, I, everyone has bad days. Everyone everyone has bad days where I, I just want to get in. I've had uh, the kids have kept me up all night or something and I just want to go out, earn, you know, do my jobs, get the money, invoice the people. But you've got to almost, when you walk out the door, put a, a face on to be yeah. you want to be known as that that's you know i i sometimes I, i'm i'm in the process of changing from per visit to from hourly which is obviously the first thing that gets brought up in the but i'm trying in the obviously early stages it was that i'm trying to per visit now and try to explain to customers especially the newer ones um but i sort of leave put the tools away 15 minutes from the end so that I can go and speak to them, have a chat, and the, that 15 minutes isn't eaten into my travel time. But then they, they enjoy it because a, a lot of them are customers, are, are little old ladies or gentlemen that have um, you know got a bit older, can't look after their gardens as well as what they used to. And they I might be the only person they see in the day. And yeah. that 15 minutes to them is 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 a, a big thing for them because they don't see their grandkids. They don't see the, the children. They've got busy lives. They might think, oh, you know, Michael's coming over today and, and they might, that you know, have a conversation with them, be very pleasant and, and have a laugh and a joke with them. And then sort of say, oh, I think I better crack on with some work. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. especially towards the end. But at the start, if you, if you turn up at the start and I'll go into the house, I had a disabled lady and I used to go in the house and she'd be like, do you want a cup of tea? And you know, a little chat about this. I've been sitting there for half an hour through with on the slot already, and I've you know I haven't even done anything. So I'm like, Thank you very much, I appreciate that, but I'll better crack on with some work as there won't be anything done, you know, in that time yeah, slot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I think it's a, a big thing uh, personally for me. Um, I think it's a massive thing. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's you know that's one of the biggest pros I see with uh hourly wages compared to per visit is the fact that apart from you knowing exactly what you're getting and you know that sort of thing the pro is you know where the boundary is you know that you arrive there at 9 a.m and that you leave at 11 a.m you know and that's fixed so when it gets to 11 a.m you can see it your client you know that that's me now but when you're on a per visit and you're there to do a certain amount of work you know i sometimes find with the per visits that i have that when it bleeds over the expected time that I want to be there for, because the client doesn't know that number, you know, that time for how much I've sort of scheduled in my head, you know, when it bleeds over, it then annoys you a little bit. And, mm. you know, it's nice having the excuse of, well, that's time's up because I leave at this time. Whereas you don't have that with per visit. I mean, people might be different with that, but I'm very bad at when I'm in a conversation, I struggle to kind of get out of it. You know, I, I almost, I look for the natural end of the conversation with the client before I'm like, right, well, you know, that pause in the conversation where you can go, right, that's me, I'm I'm ready to go. But if they're continuously speaking, I do, I find it hard to step to one side. I mean, I don't know if you notice that at all, or if it's something that you're pretty good at sort of navigating yourself through. 
Well, that doesn't surprise me, Sam, considering you do a podcast and that involves a lot of talking. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, it's probably not the right. <laughs> probably not helping me in that case is it <laughs> no it's not i mean it, it, it's very it, it is it, it is a big thing like i say if you're doing per visit and you and you see the way i'm looking at the way i'm doing per visit i don't know if other people do it or if it's the right ways to do it because it might evolve what, what i'm currently saying to customers is that i i'm going to do between the, there's, there's a set price which i generally put down to what i would want for two hours and I'm kind of saying to them now that I will be there for between an hour and two hours. Yeah. So if I see something that I need to do, I will be there longer. If, like, because obviously in the heat waves and everything like that, you could be going around a garden, you obviously on top of the weeds, you do the edges, you, you tidy up the odd choice here that needs a bit of a, a trim or whatever, and you could be sitting there on the hourly rate going, well, oh, God, I've got half hour here to go, and I don't know what else to do. Yeah. So generally, a lot of my, most of my visits are sort of two hours, and I I found myself in certain periods struggling to fill that. And obviously, when you are kind of they can, I'm lucky my customers don't, but I, I'm guessing some customers will clock watch and sort of say, "Well, you left half an hour early." So yeah. I sort of say to them now that, that there's a slot. Is there if the work's there to be done? I will do the two hours, but if I'm on top of everything, then it could possibly be an hour and ten minutes that I'm going. Yeah, uh, yeah. it will be a conversation that I'm having with because a lot of the guns I do are, are, are quite substantial. So the is on, on those ones, I'm going. To, it's going to take a while, but I will sort of talk to them and say this is how I'm changing it. But the, there's always something to do. A lot of medium to smaller gardens. I'm I'm definitely pushing this out where it's if I can get it done in half an hour and I can go, then that's what I want to do. I don't want to be. I mean, some of the gardens I could be there for there for day for a day, whole day, and yeah. um, it, it's that that's when you get feel a bit more like you can, you know, have a conversation with the owner and, and whatnot. But obviously, when the visits kick in, like you say, it's it's going to be a. Uh, I'm going to have to sort of go in and say, oh, don't mind having a five or ten minute conversation, but I kind of sort of have a little look at my watch and oh, I better crack on a bit because, you know, I'm sitting here not not, not working and I'm earning. So I do, uh, it, it just depends because I'm, I'm the same as yourself. I, I, I do talk a lot and I do, uh, <laughs> my wife's constantly complaining when I'm like, I'm just going to go and do a quote. I'll be back in 20 minutes. And she says, I'll see you in two hours because I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there with a core on the lawns going, this is what you need to do. This is what we're going to do. And, and, and before you know, I look at my watch and it's an hour, an hour and a half's gone and I've got the job, but you're sort of constantly saying, well, this is, this, this is what we need to do. We need to do this with a moss and we're going to regenerate this area here and, and talk through it. It obviously improves the system, but obviously time wise, I do sometimes get, um, Sort of a look when I walk through the door, and it's like, You only be half an hour. Yeah. Um, I'm like, Yeah, well, I've got chatting, <laughs> sorry, I do apologize. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, when people meet you for the first time, they, they want to build that rapport with you, and even if they don't know that they're doing it, they're probably trying to suss you to some degree, seeing how much you know about whatever it might be, or they're just trying to find out how you work. And you know, I think a lot of the things that we do, especially when you, you start bringing different equipment on board that they may not have seen. I mean, the amount of clients that, like, have never seen a tripod ladder, and and I've had several conversations where we've spoken about my henchman tripod ladders for, you know, 
gone on like 15, 20 minutes. And it's so when you bring in even bits of kit, that can be a talking point that they're just generally interested in. So that sparks all of that to the party as well. And, you know, I just think it's all part of it. You know, there's many there's many parts of this business that you almost don't expect, I think, before you come into it. The whole customer, how much of a customer service role you kind of play within your own company. But I think it's huge. Oh, yes, definitely. It's, it, I mean, like I say, with the henchmen and, and lads, I've got a set myself. And when, when they sort of pull them up, what is that? And you yeah. sort of, oh, it's, it's a, it, but then, like you say, when you open your van and you've got uh, a, the, the, the equipment in there, because I, I did a hedge on Saturday in there for an old football friend of mine. And I, I said to him, I'll be, I'll be there at half seven. And he sort of, he was texting me, he's like, half seven? You can't do it at half seven. And I was like, don't worry, he's, I've got a lot of um, equipment. I can start off with that before I fire up the petrol ones, do the thicker stuff. Yeah. And, and he even put down on the uh, the Google that he was, that I put down that I used quite, he didn't even know I was there. You yeah. know, I pulled up on his drive and I started off on the hedge because he'd already sent me the photos. We'd, we'd had the conversation. Um, I trusted him anyway, so it weren't like he was trying to hide anything. I asked him to check the hedge out uh, for, for metal and te- you know, wires and everything like that that could cause yeah. an issue sort of turned up and just got on with it and he, his face when he come out he's like you've done all that already and I, I said yeah what's that you've got so I was this battery hedge trimmer he's like, I didn't even know you had it going I said yeah, yeah give it a go and he's sitting there swinging at the door and you can you always see someone that's got a new, uh, it's like having a new toy I, I've had a hedge they, they sort of gently just sort of stroke the hedge with it. Oh, this is good. And I'm, yeah. they, they watch me do it and I'm like, straight through it. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, because obviously that's that's the thing, isn't it? Once you, When you're doing it every day and you've done it most of your life, it's uh, you just get on with it. It's just a, it's just a job. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas it, people are a bit hesitant and, and sort of don't want to sort of, oh, I'm just borrowing this or just testing out this bit of equipment. And, and I, I was quite honest with him. I said, look, you know, if you if you did buy this stuff, you could do the job. But when I started reeling off the, the figures for the machinery, you could sort of say, oh, yeah, I'll give you a call back at the end of the year to redo it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's a thing. None of it's cheap. And, and the one thing with this line, unless you have, you know, focused in on one type of work, there is so much different types of machinery at different price ranges. It doesn't take a lot to start adding, you know, zeros to the to that bill. Like, you know, to get out your van properly to the point where you want it, it it can take several thousand pounds at least, you know. So people may have their their opinions on oh what items that and then like you say they start speaking to you about it like they're gonna go out and buy one and then you go, Oh yeah, it's seven hundred quid for this and then you know the batteries are two or three hundred pounds each and they go Pfft. You know, and that's them straight away switched off. They're like, yeah, no, thank you. You know, they'll sit there with a little plug-in. So there is a lot to build up these these companies, I think. One thing that you mentioned there, like doing it for most of your life, how did you initially, you know, back when you very first started, getting in in the industry? Was it through companies or apprenticeships? Or how did you find your way in? So... Uh... When I was at school, um, I don't know if if, uh, if you ever had any of these, but we had um, careers advisors. All right, no, <laughs> and, we never. Uh, we, no, these guys, these guys. I mean, they they pretty much told you, you know, if you want to work in this, oh, what what do you like? What is this? What what do you want to do? 
I mean, I was. It makes me giggle a little bit because um, I was looking at my uh, my little folder you get when you left school, uh, and when I I left school, I didn't have a clue. I hadn't got a clue what I wanted to do. I, I all I knew that I wanted to do was work outside. It, I didn't want to work in a factory. And I didn't want to work in an office. That was. I, I'm just no good with computers. The amount of times I'm having to get my wife to help me with the laptops when I'm doing invoicing is is ridiculous. So I knew I was a hands-on type of guy. Um, and I looked in the CV um, little book you got, and it, it had me down as joining the army. Uh, obviously, what you do, and uh, yeah. this was back in '99. So obviously, there's a lot gone on since then. But my mum was wasn't overly keen on me doing that, so uh, they the, the, they put me onto a, a traineeship, like uh, a golf course. So I literally came straight out. Well, tell a lie, I, I missed a little bit. I went to um, I did a bit of a part-time job for a, with a guard in the street, and he offered me his round uh, when he retired. And I, I kind of was in the negotiation of talking of getting an MVQ with uh, joining a golf course, a local golf course, um, and doing that and getting qualifications. So I kindly said, "Yeah, I enjoy it. It's not what I want to do, but I'm going to go down this route of, of getting qualifications." Skip forward sort of six years, uh, got tied for another golf course because the wages when you, they're not very great. They're not very good in, uh, yeah. in golf courses themselves. So I sort of, there was seen another one advertised, applied for that, uh, got offered it, uh, went back to my boss and said, look, if you can match the price, I'll stay. He couldn't. Uh, so I went to the next golf course, uh, did a couple of, did about four years there. And then again, another job come up at a golf course where I knew the deputy head and it's uh, an open qualifier golf course. It's it's got a very good reputation around uh, the commentary area that I live in. Um, and uh, went there, did the same again. Look, if you, if you can match the the wages, I'll stay. They couldn't because obviously, then if you, if they match it, everyone else has to go up. So I went to there and I stayed there for uh, eight years and. Got my MVQ level two and three, uh, chainsaw licenses, spraying licenses, and uh, did all that. And in the back of my head, I, I, I've always, I, I didn't realise until I got older that my mum said how green-fingered my granddad's side of the family was. Like they, it was immaculate. Their garden, they love their gardens, and even my uncle's still got an immaculate garden now. So obviously that's rubbed off on me. And I, I didn't really know when I was younger what I wanted to do. All I was interested in was going out, partying, yeah. playing football and all that. So that that was good for me, you know, early start, early finish. And I started to get a niggle in my head that, you know, I started doing the gardens at this golf course and getting a lot of people saying how good they were and the beds were looking immaculate. And and um, so... They st- a couple of them started to ask me if I could do their gardens. Um, so I took them on after about four years at the golf course and got quite a, a steady income uh, as extras at these gardens. And I was I was ready to make, after about eight years at this golf course, I'd had four years of doing it on the side, uh, built up a client base. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to give it the jump and, and do it. But just, just before I did it, I got um, a conversation with a, my old football manager and he said there was after a groundsman for a local football team right. and I, he, he sort of convinced me to go over to them uh, which is it, I, I learned a bit I, it, it's the same 
with football pitches and golf courses is very sane. You, apart from the length of the grass and, and a couple of little tweaks, and yeah, they uh, that that didn't come to a happy ending because during COVID, I just I I lost I, I just had anxiety with the owner and stuff, and it it didn't come to a nice end in the end. Uh, but I was obviously still had this customer base on the side that I was working at, and that, that I had a lady that was very keen for me to go on my own. And she sort of said, "Look, I'll, I'll help you out. You know, I've got no children. You, you, you're such a nice guy. We'll, we'll help you out a bit financially." So um, I took a, a small financial loan off on with no interest and everything to start me up to get the basics. Um, and just I think it was. 2020, it was just after it came out the first COVID, I sort of handed my notice in and said, I've, I've had enough of this, I can't be bothered with the stress anymore, and, and made the jump. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, I would say, I'm into my third year tomorrow, and uh, a bit hit and miss at the start. You know, like I said before, it's, you sort of take everything and anything on that you can do. Um, but now my reputation in the local area is, is, is quite good. So um, of my client base, my diary is full now. So I've, I've had three phone calls today. I was a bit worried about February, if I'm honest, but it seems to have uh, got up a bit. And um, the diary is chocking out. And because and of because of what I do, the maintenance side of stuff, I've, I've still got ninety five percent of last year's customers. I only had a couple that I've moved densified and lost. Uh, so that they got snapped up quite sharply by word of mouth. Um, and yeah. It's it's going all right. So, I, 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 but I've got the golf courses to thank for the the sports turf knowledge. But my love is definitely the the flowers and the producing the beautiful beds and everything. So I'm, I'm quite lucky that I can do both. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, being able to offer a range of services is also huge. You know, especially in this, we I've often spoke before that. You find yourself going into a garden to do one thing, and then they go, "Oh, I don't suppose you know anything about, you know, this, that, and the other." And you go, "Well, yeah, actually." And then you give them some advice, and then it opens up a whole other door. They're like, "Oh, well, actually, we've been thinking about getting someone's just for general grounds maintenance as well." And and that sparks a chat. And I think exactly what you've just said there, having the experience of both and being able to do both, is a massive help. I mean, going through what you did through all the time at the golf courses. What do you think was the best takeaway from that? Because we've, you know, we've had a lot of people on that have had greenskeeper sort of knowledge and experience. What do you think most helped you coming away from that type of job in your own? So it might be a strange thing, but I think that the the, the professional, especially into this, the first course was a, a council course. The second was a, had a hotel on it. The third one was a, a private members club. And I think I, I sort of went from one to the other, and, and it, the, the standard riz, riz, it rose, sorry, yeah. quite sharpish. And when I got to the, the third golf course, it was you were working to a standard of what you'd expect at these big open courses. So yeah. you, you're working very high standards, you'll be very professional. Um, and that's probably the main thing. I mean, I, I was looking like, the chainsaws and everything else that's you can do that but having you know very tough to be getting out of bed on a you know january morning at half four five to go and get the get onto the golf course and 
reconstruct bunkers and relay turf and, and build golf tees when it's minus six, it's dark, it's cold, it's wet, you know, all these conditions. Yeah. Just being able, it just toughens you up and it, it toughened me up and it, it made me more professional in my views. And that's probably what rubs off with the trying to be polite because you've got to hit those standards constantly. Those people's jobs on the lines for it. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a great thing to be able to take away. And one that maybe someone that's not, you know, they think they'll enjoy it, but they've they've never really put their hand to it. That will play a massive factor. You know, if you're not used to working outside and being wet, being uncomfortable, and, you know, having to get a job done because of timelines or whatever it might be, then it can be something that you think is fantastic in the summer. But when winter comes and it's lashing down and it is freezing, you can't feel your fingers. You know, it's a whole other story and it's almost a whole other trade you know, to an extent of, you know, the type of person you need to be to be able to carry it out. We're just going to take a quick break here as we go into our ad and then we'll be back very shortly to talk more on this matter with Michael. This episode is brought to you by Total Loan. Total Loan provides scientifically engineered loan care products to homeowners, hobbyists and loan care professionals. Their range of fertilisers and biostimulants will keep your loan looking lush, green and moss-free all year round. I use Total Loan products for my customers and on my own loan and I think you should too. The team at Total Loan put quality above anything else when they're producing their loan feeds. They use ingredients that are rarely if ever used by their competitors to give you the best loan possible. Try Total Loan today at totalloan.co.uk and use code Care at the checkout to receive 10% off your whole order. Total Loan are so confident in their products that you can use them on your loan and if you're not happy with the results you can get in touch with them up to 90 days later for a full refund. Go to totalloan.co.uk and transform your loan. Right, welcome back everyone. So the, the next sort of phase I want to touch on is is when you did start. And the big one with it is what was the hardest thing you found when you started your business? And if you're able to sort of dissect whatever that may be, you know, what did you do to then overcome it? So I'll be honest, my I've got two two things that I struggled with. Uh, one was pricing. And the second was dealing with customers that um, wanted the job done for next to nothing. So mm. I had a price, obviously, because I did it on the side. I had a an hourly fee that I thought was okay. You know, it, it was currently, you know, four years ago, it was 15 quid an hour. I was just pottering around these gardens that I got from the golf course and I was doing, you know, 50 I thought was fair price. That's what people were doing, and I was, you know, quite happy with that. But you um, start off. Obviously, I had a little bit of help at the start with that help from the lady, but it didn't take me very long to realise that it, that I wouldn't be in business if I kept going at that. And I've it, it sort of come to bite me a couple of times recently with uh, the the initial probably couple of months worth of customers I had where I did one-offs um, because my regulars, and they were very good, they were fair price. Uh, I, I jumped the prices quite steep, quite fast. So within six months, well, within the first two months, the price had, had gone up uh, by a £5 an hour. And then I quickly realised that wasn't even going to cover it um, with the, trying to evolve and adapt and buy new equipment. So it went up again. 
at the same amount. So it jumped nearly double in in a six month period uh, for where I was at the time. Um, and I lost a couple of customers doing that, but I felt like they were customers that I was willing to lose. The ones that respected me and, and wanted my work were happy to pay that. Um, to, to to make that jump, and obviously I was I was happy with that. So I've had a couple of recently had a couple of customers that I did um, little fee reductions, and I put it on some of the, the group um, how much that I charged at the time, and, and you know they sort of say, oh Michael, can you pop pop round? You know, it was two years since you've done the tree, can you pop over and do it? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that, but the, the business has evolved a bit since I last spoke to you, so I can't do the price I did last time. This is the this is the price I would charge now, and a lot of people on these groups saying that's a that's a fair price, but then you have the conversation with saying, oh, oh you charge me this that's like you know a hundred percent extra, you know oh, <laughs> I can't pay that's you know what what was this price last time, and I, I have, you have to sit and explain to them and say look I wouldn't be in business now if I'd have kept those prices, mm-hmm. um. So I've, I've had to evolve and had to, and it's a steep learning curve on, and it, it's very daunting. I did it through a letter explaining, it was a little letter and I'll give it to all my customers explaining why it was done and everything. And sort of said, look, you read this, if there's any issues, can you talk to me about it? And like I say, I'd probably say about 70% of them was, were fine with it. Um, but the, the customers that I, that I didn't really, you know, that want the job doing for, they see it as a hobby, which is the the unfortunate side of ours. You know, you would never go into a mechanic or a bricky and go, oh, <laughs> what do you want a day for that? And, and it really frustrates me a little bit when you sort of explain to, oh, we, I only get paid £30 now, or I only get this, how can you charge that much? And it's, yeah. you have to sit there and say, this is the price, I'm, I'm really sorry. If you don't have to do it as a hobby or bit of extra cash on the side. And I do have a gentleman that uh, I do sort of give their number to. Uh, that's a retired gentleman that just wants to do his a part-time bit of money on the side. But to run a business, you, you, you can't. You yeah. just can't live with those figures. And it, it quickly dawned on me. I had to change. And I had to change fast if I wanted to be in business within, you know, five years' time. Because, like I say, that those first two, three seasons, uh, and I'm still learning now with pricing. I do sometimes undercharge a little bit, nowhere near what I used to, but you've, you've got to evolve and you've got to adapt quick. be business. You're just going to be coming home tired and shattered and with no money in your back pocket and bills to be paid. And it's just not going to be enjoyable. And, and the whole point of this is I love gardening, and that's yeah. why I wanted to do it. And that's, you know, I've got to earn a living. And, and that was the big, I, I was I was happy talking to customers. I'm very chatty. And, you know, that side of stuff wasn't an issue. It was, it was it's the pricing, really. And I and yeah. chat to people that are 20 years down the line that would, you know, go, oh, I'll charge this. And I think that's quite, but they've got teams, you know, there's, there's yeah. guys, groups of teams out there. They've got to cover the bills. And it has, a, it has changed my thoughts on, you know, when I get quotes off, plasterers or builders or anyone to do work on the house because the wife will be saying oh that that sounds pretty expensive and, and you try to explain to them explain to her that you know he might have three guys on site you know if they want x amount then you know 
potentially you could be looking at 600 quid plus quite easily a day just on labour. Yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, it is what it is. And if, if, if they want the job doing, that's that's what it is, you know. That, and you've just got to be a bit thick-skinned. And I've, my skin has thickened up, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't do too many... I do favours for people that I know and my friends and stuff, but yeah, that that was definitely the the biggest stepping stone for me as a person because I'm, you know, I try to be nice and polite, and you do feel bad about it when you sort of say these prices and stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, if you've got waste to remove, your time, your travel, you, you know, the tools don't look after themselves; they've got to be covered. And the amount of times you see on these groups, the list of stuff of what you've got to cover, and you know, your, your basic payments to survive before you make a profit yeah oh i mean that's it i mean and it goes back to the simple thing of knowing your numbers right like if if you're out there and you're pricing away jobs and you're not thinking about what numbers you need to actually make what sounds ridiculous when you actually say it out loud because yeah everyone just thinks well well, of course you know you've got to know your numbers to you know to be able to make an accurate quote but so many times especially when starting up you just look at something or if anything you'd over evaluate something and, and you give us such a tight price because y- you think you know they're gonna hum and haw over five pound or you know literally them little little changes in the figure you know when starting off and you give such a tight price and you just and that's it it's set solid and when you step back actually and you go well i need to earn this much a day to cover all the all the expenses that come in and out normally and then I want to make this much for myself, and then this could go wrong or this needs hired. You know, there's so much to add to that list. And if you don't know your numbers, it doesn't take long for you to be stung enough times to go, right, I need to adapt here. You know, what's what's going wrong and where am I? where's the imbalance at? You know, so I think knowing your numbers is a huge thing, that pricing, and it's something that I think will be talked about forever. As long as there's someone new coming into the industry, We'll always talk about pricing and how to price jobs. But, Michael, as you've seen yourself, on these groups online, through Facebook or whatever else, you, there's guys that go, how much would you quote for this? And nearly every single comment, especially if it's a big job, is a different figure because everyone prices it different. So it's almost at the same time, there's no one road that you can take that's going to get your pricing right. You need to just learn what sits best with you as a person and then you can kind of mold the business around the type of money you want to make because i think there's so many different directions to go that one don't limit yourself but also by knowing them numbers you can be more confident in the actions that you put forward so i think it's a massive thing i can't i could talk about it all day how much i think it's a it's a big thing and like how much people should look into their own numbers oh yeah 100 percent. the yeah i think it was one of your very early early conversation their podcasts i was listening to and and i did exactly the same as yourself when obviously because you, you're starting up as the, obviously uh like myself and you, you were saying that like you just said you waggling over oh, should, I, should I put five shall round it up and everything yeah. you know got that extra 10 pound and you're worried that they're not going to get the job and i did i've done that several times and you saw oh, i've got to try it so i literally just like i say i, I generally put a little bit extra on because obviously you never know with these jobs what it's going to do now uh you know if if a machine breaks and you've got to go get it repaired or something um 
there could be endless amount of things that could go wrong, and you've just got to cover yourself. I mean, like you said, the, the, the pod, I, I think some gentleman put up a, a tweet the other day, and he said, oh, "How much would you quote for this?" Because I got told I was expensive, and there was everything from sort of, "Oh, I'll do that for thirty quid, I'll be in and out within twenty minutes," and <laughs> you sit there scratching your head, going, "Well, you wouldn't be, would you? Cause you, yeah. you just that wouldn't happen." <laughs> to people going, oh, 400 quid. And you're like, where do you get that price from? Mm-hmm. And and to be fair, I sort of, you know, put down what I thought it would be worth, you know, uh, to do the job. And, and the gentleman said that's pretty much where I was. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the, the sort of what the customer expects to what you need to earn is, is a massive thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, here to you know when i was very young i had a, a gentleman in the pub going oh well i wouldn't get out of bed for x amount of day he was on the computers yeah um and and i think you've got to kind of see to yourself and say you know i'm worth that the job's gonna be done professionally i'm gonna be on time i'm gonna you know got all the tools and stuff because at the end of the day i mean everything's going through the roof at the moment i'm currently doing little jobs for um customers like shed roofs and fences and stuff and i'm going into my a, a, a reputable wood merchant and sort of i need this this and this and then they sort of give you the price and you're like oh okay that's a bit steeper than i was expecting yeah and i'm i'm phoning up the customer saying well this is me for the the materials are you happy with that because i don't want to buy these materials and you go that's expensive but i, I try to talk to the customers and say look this is what i'm paying if you're happy for to pay that for the materials and then my labour on top, I'm happy to do the job. But yeah. this is what the cost of the materials are. I've been at that merchant's on, on the job I did today for a fencing around an allotment. And uh, originally it was about 500 quid. And 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 the, the gentleman in, in the old shampoo, he was like, well, that's, that's expensive. And I was like, well, yeah, I think that is a bit expensive for a fence around an allotment, but I can't get it anywhere out. You know, you can get cheaper wood around the area but it's not good it's warped it's misshaped yeah. you know this is a, a top this is good wood that will last you a while if you want me to do the job this is what the cost going to be and and just being open with with people because they just if you just dollop a like a, a figure in front of them they can currently get quite defensive on it so i'll try to be as open as possible and say this is what it is um do you want to go down this line and, and yeah. you do what you can do you can't just force people to have jobs done um and luckily they're a, a very good customer and they've uh we've gone to do it well, i've got to, to do the tops it's evolved a little bit so i've got to go back again and, and put more rails on but uh they went they went and had it done so you just got to be open with people and, and be honest with people and i think if if you sort of a uh, fair in the job you can sleep at night knowing that you've you've given a fair quote, mm-hmm. then then that's the only way you can be because it's easy when you're busy to, to up the prices and it is a potential to do that. But, you know, you never know down the line if these people are going to want to, you know, when you are a bit quieter in a couple of years in the winter that they might go, well, actually, I've got a bit of money now. I want that shed roof repairing or I want that fence up. I'll, I'll speak to Michael because he said he was busy last year, but I've got money now. So... You know, and I'll and I'll be honest with them and say, you know, the prices have gone up. This is the current price. Are you still happy to have it done? And generally, they'll they'll have to put it done. I think yeah. sometimes if you just, you know, wallop a big figure in front of people, they can um, 
especially in the gardening industry, they can be a bit defensive. I find that a lot with lawn care, it's uh, it can be defensive to if you have to hire machines and uh, especially if you've got top dressed. I can't can't for the love of money find a, a reasonably priced top dresser around here at the moment. It's he's got to be bagged up and he's got to be dropped off, and it, it, you sort of you want to use top dressing because that's the best stuff, but you have. You have to sort of say this is the price for the top dress and this is the what you need, but I'm also willing to use screens topsoil, which is a lot cheaper. But it's it's not you know your soil's fine. You don't really need the tops. But if you, yeah. if I can give them two, the balls in their court, and, and you can only hope that they go down the top dressing route. Yeah. But obviously money's tight at the moment, isn't it? So yeah, uh, you, you do what you got to do. Well, that's it, and I. You know, topsoil is one of them for me that it's a nightmare up here. Up here, you can't even get decent standard top dressing. I haven't been able to find it anywhere. So unless you make an order from somewhere down in England for them to get it up here, but in cases I've seen, you know, the the price of it being 70% of the price of the item is in the delivery fee. So you've got the price of the item and then about another 70% on top just to cover delivery because they're traveling so many miles so i've even looked into bulk buying and trying to store somewhere you know ordering a few crates a great company is field compost they do some amazing stuff but uh again you know it's quite a hefty delivery fee so you need to buy it in bulk otherwise it's just not worth the money but clients look at it that don't know anything about the garden that you're trying to talk to them about renovating and making it better and these are the steps and trying to tell them how much extra on the bill it is to to get some form of material down on top, it scares them, you know, especially, and this is not me being ageist, but some of the older clients that you, you speak to and they want to they improve the loans quite simply, and you go, well, it needs renovated because it's com- it's full of moss. Even if we get rid of the moss, there'll be nothing left. It needs renovated. And when you start talking about the prices of things, you know, it just, it, it scares them, I think. It, this industry is becoming more and more expensive, and I think we can. I think you can ride the wave, but you you also need to be able to sell it as well. You know, you need to be able to talk a good talk as well before you carry out the job, before you even get to that step. And some are fine, and they'll just, you know, they've got enough money, they'll just say, "Yeah, do it." And other people really need to count them chips and be able to say, "Well, can we can we even afford this? And is this actually the service we want?" And I think that's a big. It's a big toss-up on on how you approach them sort of customers. But one way that I found it to be pretty useful is by saying a base limit as soon as someone calls. If they say, I think I need my garden improved, currently full of moss, I'll say, no problem, renovation start at 250 And, you know, at least they know then that the lowest it's possibly going to be is 250 If they're not happy even with that price, there's no point in me coming out to come see you. You know, I, I found that gets rid of, of some of the head bashing. Oh yeah, so I, I, I think I should. Uh, I'll take that tip and I'll do it myself because uh, I mean, like I say, when we were at the golf courses, we were we were shipping in forty, fifties, hundred ton of, of root zone, yeah, every yeah. month. You know, going out on the tees and everything, and you can see you can see what it does. You know, you can see the you see the results. But we, I mean, I'm quite lucky in this area. There's a, a very good supplier of, of screen topsoil, so it, it's not overly expensive in, in what I see as the pricing mm. um, so I, I can get away with that but uh, yeah it, it, when you sort of add the figures together and you have to send that 
that that letter out to someone and, and say, well, this is, you know, I've had, I've had people that I've worked for 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 years, and you sort of they say, oh, my lawn's looking a mess. You go, okay, well, this is the price for the what I would do a lawn renovation on it. They don't even talk. They don't, they just don't they don't get back to you. And then, <laughs> then you get a phone call. I've had phone calls recently from chafer Group damage, and they're, oh, my lawn's looking a mess, and I'm like, well. I have suggested this and done this, and I'll give you a quote on getting the lawn to where it needs to be, but you didn't want to, to do it. And it, there is a, a fine line you've got to sort of draw because, like I say, they sort of, a couple of people want the job doing for nothing, and you, you've just got to be, like you say, I think I need to take that tip and sort of say, well, that, that's what it starts as a, as a basic a basic job. And, um, I mean, I've got a lot of customers that I do, the maintenance on that I've sort of talked to and, and try to upgrade their lawns as we go and uh, just sort of add an extra fee on top with the scarification. So it's not because I'm there already, the time's going to be paid to me. There's mm-hmm. an extra fee on top when I do those renovations, but any material and time on top of that, again, is is billed. Yeah. Um, because I'm starting to pick up a few lawn renovation, just, you know, sort of customers that are, want just the lawns doing they're happy to do the mowing the maintenance themselves but are struggling to get the nice lawn but uh you've, you've got to cover cover yourself and if i can get if i can do sort of give them two prices i'll just kind of leave the ball in their park and sort of say this is what i want to do can you afford it because some of the even some of the the, the nicer houses I, I work at you know i could have some that will go just do what you got to do keep it the standard it is because we're really impressed with what you're doing uh but then there's some that will be oh god that's uh more than i want to spend I'll, that's you know go on holiday for that yeah um, and i've got the, the turf lad that i use um i've been chatting to him recently about because in my head obviously you can renovate using seed and everything and Sometimes you want to say, well, do you not consider just ripping the lawn up and starting again? But then when you talk to the, the people that are just concentrate on turfing, when you realise the prices of, of ripping up a lawn and, and on the size of some of these lawns and what it would cost to redo it, it's a fraction of the cost. Yeah. And, well, and I, then, I, and... Sorry, I'll just uh, jump in there quickly. I also find that a great selling point. So if that's, if that's happening to people, like people's getting, getting contacted and they're saying, can you come turf our garden? Because naturally people that, that's what people think to to improve it. I need to put new turf down. You know, the selling point of absolutely, of course I can. I can get that quote over to you. But do you know that if I renovate from seed, we miss out on the price of this, that, the other, you know, prep time, the waste of all the turf, all this sort of stuff. Then people normally see, see these two different prices because turfing can be two or three times the price of renovation using seed. So being able to give both them figures over, you can quite, you can quite easily not I say easily, quite easily yeah, to an extent sell them onto this renovation with seed. What it's a bit easier on the body and it's a bit less hassle, quite frankly, but it's still good money. So just want to jump in and say that part that it's a good way to sort of deflect and be like, I can, but it's expensive. But there's this, you know, that sort yeah, of format. It, that's okay. No, I mean. <laughs> With with a with a turf, it's instant, isn't it? That's the thing. Within sort of yeah. in, in the middle of a, a good spring, because I don't tend to to, to turf. Cause I do turfing jobs because I wish I had a pound for every roll of turf I laid on the golf course. <laughs> we had pallets and the stuff turn up. You know, middle of winter, you, you you expect it to be mild, and then the frost kicks in, and then 
10 pallets of turf turn up and it's got to go down else it's going to die. Um, but it's instant, you know, if you're doing spring and autumn, which is generally when I sort of push my turfing jobs to, within sort of two to three weeks, they could be on it. It's the, with with seed, we all know that, you know, you could lose, if especially if you're not using top dressing or a, a soil, you could lose a lot to birds. Um, not some generate germination won't happen. Obviously, on the older seed, that's why I only ever use this, that seed, current season seed. Yeah. Um, and and he's, he's trying to, like I say, manage their expectations sometimes. And and when, when you, look, especially with my maintenance ones, I, I could talk to them and say, look, this isn't a, you're not going to have a, a perfect lawn with one renovation. You know, in five years, I can get you Wembley if you give me the budget, yeah. but it's going to take a couple of years of good, especially the amount of thatch you've got in there to get that level of what you expect. But letting them know that it's not instant like a, a lawn uh, where you re-turf it, but you, you can, within sort of six weeks, you can definitely see the turnaround on it and um, an improvement. And that's what you need to sort of, well, especially with myself, I've got I try my best to sort of chat to them and say, this is it's a project. It's not a an instant fix as such. Because obviously, you get. I, I think I put my picture up on one of the lawn care groups today, my lawn with the two dogs and the three kids. It's, it's just mud, you know. <laughs> and and I, I kind of said, everyone's like, "Oh, you won't, you won't do this, you won't do that." And I was like, "Well, you have little faith. We you know a bit of a lawn renovation in the spring. You'll soon come back, and you know, you, you get your, your fusariums, your red threads, you know, chafer glove damage. You're going to have a bit of a lull in, in the winter, and then you have to sort of step it. So it's sort of two steps forward, one step back in the winter. Two steps forward, one step back. You know, and, and within sort of couple of years you will have the lawn that you want it's yeah. just a little bit of work's going to have to go into this to get you obviously well the standards that i want to work at you know uh, uh, after one renovation they're probably sitting there going god look at my lawn look lawn looks lovely and i'm like well you know we can still yeah. do a bit better that's that's probably one of my problems i'm always always trying to improve whether it's flower beds or lawns i'm like no well we can make this so much more better with this yeah, if we do this. If we do that. We can really get it shining, and yeah. It, it, but obviously, like I say, the price is the price and stuff. And you know, even if you had a new t- a turf lawn, seen many a lawn that's been turf, and, and after the first, win, you know, got to renovate them again. You know, you got to scarify it, get the, yeah. the, the the soil open, and get seed in there because they've died. Some of it's died off over winter, and it's not looking its, it's best. Well, so, well, that's my thing with turf. You know, it's we've got some good suppliers up here as well, but is the fact that there is still ongoing maintenance. It's not like you get turf laid and then you don't need to touch it for five years. You know, the rate and I find a lot of them do create a lot of them that I see and they go, Oh, it was only turf two years ago and there's so much thatch in it, or there's so many weeds that have been in it, and you just go, you know, you need to jump on the maintenance straight away or that the turfing part doesn't just solve all problems. Instant lawn is the biggest sell for people, I think. But there's so much more to then do after the point of of it being laid. And I think it goes back to education, really, doesn't it? I think the more you can educate your clients and be able to have these open conversations where you're not trying to do a hard sell, you're literally just educating and hoping that you just, you know, pardon the pun, drop the seed in there, okay, (laughs) that that it's going to hopefully hit, that light bulb moment at some point when they go, 
ah, that's what he was talking about. I need to get him back in. So I think there's just so much more to it. And it's just like a never-ending cycle, what's good for us, but it's just making them aware that this cycle even exists. Yeah, the uh, like I say, it's, it's one of the first things I say when I go to sort of quote a new job, where the, the lawn care sort of stuff is it, it's always a project, you know. It's, there's no instant fix in any of it. I mean, it's, it's the same with flowers and, and beds. You know, I, I've had budgets of, you know, and they've been quite nice budgets, and I've had people give me, you know, 50 quid to, to buy plants. Yeah. And you kind of have to sort of say to this this plant here is £25. And I, well, actually, two days ago, I said, I could buy you a tree for 20, 30 quid that will be, the, the you know, like a stick. I said, yeah. I could buy you a tree that's 150 quid that's six foot tall, or I could buy you a... a, a a fully established tree that's going to cost you a couple of thousand. You know, you've you've got to. It's all about time and and like I say, a little bit of knowledge on the on the our side and sort of trying to talk to the customer and make sure they know. You know, you, you can plant out a whole new bed the first year. The, the plants are really only getting established. Yeah, and they don't. They don't. You sort of they they oh, spend a thousand pound on plants and there doesn't seem a lot in there. And you're like, well, give it five years you'll have a, a beautiful bed because obviously the budget it doesn't involve you've got such a big bed we've got we've to go around the, the smaller plant room and yeah. we've, we've bought five of everything we've made nice sections of certain plants and uh they, they will come together you, you you've got to try and i say it's, it's massive expect uh, manager expectations because you have a bit of trust in yourself have a bit of faith you know what you're talking about you've done it you know millions of times especially with lawns and, and sports turf and, and doing flower beds and you sort of say well these plants are going to double triple in size in, in a couple of years you can't expect the, the customers to be going out with spring hoses all the time the, the reason they've got gardeners we see is yeah that you're going to sort everything out and and that is a massive thing i'm trying to push with with all of my customers that i do that have got decent beds is is you know with especially with some we've just had and the heat waves were having, you know, they don't want to be sat outside. And I, I had a conversation with the gentleman tomorrow. I said, "How many times, a, you know, a day did you water your your beds last year? Because we just just planted it up." He said, "I was out there a couple of hours a night, you know, with the hose." I said, "Wouldn't it be better if you had that couple of hours drinking a glass of wine on the lawn, you know, <laughs> instead of instead of watering?" Oh well, yeah, that sounds, you know, that, well, if we put this drip hose in. You know, you, you you pay a bit of money. We get they're not massive prices, but we we put a system in. We get the drip hoses in. And we we you know that will do the job. You plug it in. You leave it for a day or half a day or whatever. Let it soak in. Take it off. I said, and then you, the time's yours. You can do that. And I think I've got a few. Obviously, again, it's price. You know, you've got to measure out what sort of length the hose you need and everything. But I, I think come spring, that will probably be one of my main jobs is is establishing some kind of, of water system to to the beds to try and improve them because they you know who wants to be stood there with a hose I, I don't mind who guard and going to do my tomatoes and all the seedlings I'll grow from customers but no issue with that I love my gardening and I, I grow quite a lot of plants annuals for, for customers I don't charge them I sort of I'll get a bag of cosmos and I'll blob on there set it all off and then I'll sort of turn up in my van on you know, April, May sort of time with this big rack of 
plant. So right, we're going to plant these all up. And oh, what, what do you want for them? I'm like, I oh, don't worry about it. It's, you know, buy us a nice Christmas present or something because I'll, you know, I'll probably I've took the best ones from my garden. These are all just extras. Yeah. But that then they think, you know, you know, he's doing that extra yard to to make my garden look good, especially with young beds to try and put annuals in to, to hide the fact that they've got young plants in there, give them that colour um, and, and sort of go to the extra yard and talk to them and say, look, you know, if we did this, you could do something else, you know. But again, like I say, like with everything in this, in this trade, it's, uh, it's it's finding the money. It's, it's the money for the customers, isn't it? So yeah. they've got to pay pay the wet, pay it if they want it. So you give them the option and if they want it, they can have it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what is your best bit of advice that you've taken on through all this time? Obviously, you know, we've spoken a lot about interacting with customers and how to do it. But, you know, on the overall subject of running a business and especially in this trade, what is your best bit of advice you'd give to someone that may be struggling? So I, I, I want to say price, get your pricing right, you'll be, be all right. I think if you did that, that's fine. But I, I think you've got to be a bit, you've got to be confident. And if you're confident in what you're doing and you're confident in your abilities and who you are and why you're doing it, I think whether that you, whether you're pricing wrong or stupidly high, if you, if you're confident in your setup, your, what you're doing and you know you're doing the right thing, you can't go far wrong. I think that's a, Thing is, is everyone has doubts. I have doubts. Sometimes I'll go to jobs and I'm like, oh, can I do that? Can I do that? And I'll sit there and sort of sit in the van and go, no, you've, you've done this for years. This is what you've done. This is, you've built this. Go and do the job. And I have to have a little talk to myself sometimes, but I, I do believe you've got a, there's no, you can't be a hidden away going, oh, I could do that, sir. I could do it. You, you've just got to be that I can do that. Let's go do it. Yeah. And, and go down that route instead of, of shying away from everything because in this trade you'll learn lots and you'll forget lots. But <laughs> you, when when they when that's you know shed building, I'll, if you'd have asked me five years ago if I was yeah, and fencing around this and raised beds and everything, I'd have, you thought you were nuts. Yeah. But you you do it, you learn. You will make mistakes, but you you know I've. I've you, may, you only learn from your mistakes, really. You don't learn from successes. I tell yeah. that to my kids all the time. You know, if you can learn from what the bad things you've done and put them right at the time so that everyone's happy, you won't make those mistakes again and you can be confident going to the next job that you know what you're doing and you're going to be a success with it. Yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic bit of advice. Just to push on to the very last question here then, and it would be, how can people find you, Michael, online if they want to follow you along or send you a message to ask you some more questions about what we've spoken about tonight? So I've got um, a, a, a. I don't. I'm trying my best to push into the 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 the, it, like the, the side of it with the Instagram. So I've, I've dabbled in it. I've got an Instagram account, Michael Large Gardening Services, and I've got a Facebook business page as well. Um, but I'm also on. Um, there's a couple of uh, Facebook groups that I'm on that I'm quite active on as well. But, uh, yeah, the, the, those are the two that I've, I've, I'm on. And I always check and put photos. I'm trying to put photos on and try and do a bit more and, and post stuff on those to, to try and be a bit more um, 
visual as such because I think it that will only help people and um, be able to see what you're capable of. So yeah, those two, the Instagram and the and the Facebook page. I don't do Twitter at the moment. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'll go onto Twitter with what I hear from it. So. Yeah, uh, it, it's one thing that I've I've stayed away from. I haven't even bothered with Twitter. But for the Facebook links there and Instagram links, they will all be in the show notes at the end. So like I say, if you just swipe all the way down from this episode, you'll be able to see Michael's links there and you can go to his page, send him a follow and also send him a DM if you want to talk about it further. But Michael, I just want to thank you very much for coming on tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, I hope that we're going to be able to couple do a couple of more shows on sort of topic-based scenarios as well to be able to get more into the conversation. Oh, definitely. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, like I say, I echo what Sam says, if if you need any help or anything like that, I'll probably won't be getting back straight away, but I definitely will contact you know, and help out as much as possible. And uh, I'll definitely like to do other topical stuff if, uh, if you ever need any help with that. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone, thank you very much for joining us on this week's podcast. Obviously, we've had Michael on here speaking about sort of his business and a lot of his experiences through as well. And there's although there's a lot of recurring factors, there's always new bits that, you know, it definitely sends my brain into a place where I then, you know, as I'm listening through, I think, right, well, what would I do in that case? Or how would I handle that situation? And I hope you're doing that as well. If you're listening through is to ask yourself these same questions and see if, you know, what your results are. And hopefully that way we can learn together and we can improve our own businesses. But yep, thank you for joining us again this week. Please, if I can ask you, just go ahead, like, share and follow these podcasts. It's on Spotify, Apple iTunes, all major streaming services. It is the best thing that you can do for me. So thank you very much for joining us. Till next week. Goodbye.